Um, before we jump in, I'm going to go ahead and pray. Sound good? All right. Hi, Yahweh. Thank you so much for the worship and that space to just be in your presence. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here. Um, help us to just have hearts and minds that are open to what you want to say tonight and how you want to move in our lives. I pray that we would hear something new and different um, and learn something about you that maybe we hadn't known before. Um, and I pray that it would cause us to leave changed from this place. Thank you for all that you have done, all that you're doing, and all you will do. We love you and we trust you. In your name, amen. All right, so it's up on the screen, but we've been in a series called Out of Control. Can someone tell me what book we've been going through? Philippians, good job. You guys know whenever I get up here, you always get a little pop quiz. So we've been talking about out of control, Philippians, this idea of how Jesus helps us find peace in the midst of our chaotic generation. So we're going to be in Philippians 3, 12 through 21. So if you want to start flipping there, you can do that. But you can flip there. We have a little exercise. Um, and this was actually inspired by James's last exercise before you, um, before we like dive in. Um, so if you guys remember two weeks ago, James showed you a bunch of pictures of people and had you kind of identify who they are. I'm going to show you pictures again, but I want you to write down on that piece of paper. Everyone hold up the piece of paper that they got. If you don't have a piece of paper, you should have a journal. If not, there are papers by the door. Perfect. And a pen, a writing utensil. You're going to write down the first thing you see when these images pop up. Okay? So we should have a set of images if we want to get the first one up there. Go for it. Okay, what do you see? Don't shout it out, just write it down. Perfect. When, when you have this one written down, go ahead and look at me so I know when to go to the next one. All right, let's go ahead and go to the next one. Okay, next one. This isn't a test, by the way. This is just for fun, so don't don't stress. Next one. I think we have one more or two more. One more. So go ahead and go to the last one. So if you guys haven't figured it out yet, these are the kind of images where you can see two different things in them. So we'll go back through them, but this, the first one again. How many of you guys see a vase? Yeah, that's the first thing I seen too on this one. How many of you guys see two faces? Okay. <laughs> cool. All right, next one. All right, tell me, what, what's this one? Duck. And a rabbit. Yep, a duck. How many people saw the duck? I see the duck first. How many people saw the rabbit first? Okay. Next one. What's this one? A seal or a donkey? I would say it's more of a donkey. I see the donkey first. Does everyone see those two? <laughs> yeah. So the, 
The donkey's ears are the seal's tail, and then the donkey's nose is the seal's face. Yeah, seal's face. That's cool. Okay, next one. Thank you for spoiling it, Josh. How many? I see the young woman first. How many of you guys see the young woman? Okay. How many of you guys see the older lady? Okay. I actually had to like look up a hint to see this one, but if you look, the like choker, the necklace on the young lady is the mouth of the older lady. And then like the neck area is the chin. And then like the younger lady's chin is the older lady's nose. Are we seeing that? <laughs> Once you see it, it's hilarious. You don't see it yet? The younger lady's ear is like one of the older lady's eyes. You'll have to look this one up when you get home if you can't see it. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, next one. Last one. I see the frog first. How many people see the frog first? Yeah, the green area here. And then you got a horse too. How many people see the horse? Okay. So the horse is like, the frog's face is the horse's nose. There we go. <laughs> How do you guys think you guys catch this? Okay. So that was fun. I had fun. I had fun finding these images, too. The, the point of that is we all kind of saw different things first, right? We all have a different perspective, a different way of looking at the world. We're trained to look for different things. And so we see different things first when we look at those images. And in this Bible verse, we're going to be talking about this idea of training our focus, training what we think about. Because if you remember from two weeks ago, James talked about how Paul was discussing this idea of letting everything go for the sake of Christ. For the sake of knowing Christ, we don't count our accolades or things that the world would often define us as, as valuable. They're still, like, God cares that we do well in things, obviously. But the ultimate goal is to know Jesus, and that's what we put our focus on. And in this passage that I'm going to be talking through... Paul is going through what we actually do to train our focus to be on Jesus. So Philippians 3, 21, uh, or 12 through 21, sorry, I also have to get there. We're going to read. So Philippians 3, 12 through 21. It says, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear for you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as you do. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. All right. 
I know that was a lot of scripture. We're going to break it all down. So to start in verse 12, Paul talks about how he's not already obtained all of this. And all of this, like I was saying, is what James was talking about, this idea of fully being sold out for Jesus. Like my focus is to be on Jesus, my relationship with him entirely. So Paul's like, yeah, I'm not there yet, which all of us can probably empathize with Paul a little bit there. I'm not there yet. And he says this really interesting phrase after that. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, right, oh, sorry, right before that. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And I think that phrase has some interesting meaning to it. This idea of Christ taking hold of us. Like, why? And the thing that pops out to me at first is relationship, right? Christ took hold of us to be in relationship with us. But I think it's even more than that. Because if you look at Paul, if you, if you look at his story, he was, initially, he was persecuting the church. And when Jesus comes to him and, and makes him blind, he has a specific purpose for Paul. And he actually tells Ananias, the believer who comes and prays over Paul so Paul can see again, he tells him, he will be my chosen instrument to the Gentiles. So this idea of our focus being on Jesus is for that relationship piece, but out of that comes purpose. And how many of you guys, when life is chaotic, but you have purpose, things feel a little more at peace? I'm that way, for sure. Like, it, things can be crazy around me, but if I have purpose, that brings me peace. And so this idea of things being out of control, Paul is saying our focus should be on our relationship with Jesus, and in that Jesus will give us purpose, which will help us find peace. So how do we actually do that? Let's keep reading. Uh, brothers and sisters, this is verse 13. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. That's our first, our first point right there, straining towards what is ahead, is how we actually train our focus to be on Jesus. We have what I like to call as a heaven mindset. And this doesn't mean that we're not engaged in earth, right? God calls us to be in the world. But this idea of being focused on heavenly things, that we remember our king and his kingdom. And later on in the, this exact passage, Paul talks about being citizens of heaven, that our citizenship is in heaven. And it's really interesting if you look at the Philippian church, right, the people who Paul is writing to, they were a colony of Rome. So it was populated by a lot of retired Roman soldiers because Roman soldiers would go into the army and Romans say, after you've done your um, time in the army, we will give you land. And so they'd often be put into land that they conquered. So this city, this um, Philippi, is a colony of Rome. And for these Roman soldiers to hear this idea of citizenship, that means a lot to them. Or being citizens of heaven. We're here to, like, colonize the earth in not the bad way that colonization tends to have connotations in our history, but this idea of being a little kingdom of God here. And for the Philippians, they would think, oh, yes, just like a colony of Rome, we are to be like Rome. And so here Paul is saying we are to be like the kingdom of God, which starts with our focus, our mind, 
being on things set above. We're straining towards what is ahead, what is coming. Which means sometimes it's okay to think about that. Like to get excited about the new heaven and the new earth and what God has in store for us. It's exciting. Jesus talks about how he's going to prepare a place for you. And when we have that in our mind, it makes dealing with some of the craziness, some of the difficulty in life a little easier because we know that there's something good in store, something good that's coming. Let's keep reading. Verse 15 says, All of us then um, who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. That jumps out to me as another another way that we train our focus to live up to what we've already attained. And I think the phrasing of that's really important. I think Paul's very intentional here. It's not like we are trying to earn something. We're living up to what we've already attained. We're living up to what Jesus has already given us. James took us leaders through reading the fruits of the Spirit and just talking about, like, what we are working on, what areas that we need to see growth in our life. And he talked about how it's a gift. We are given this when we become Christians. We are given the Holy Spirit. And because we are given it, we can then live into that. So when we want to train our focus to be on Jesus, we learn the things that we've already been given in him. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. These are gifts. And they're given. And we get to live into what we've already attained. It's not this pressure of earning. It's out of this overflow of being in relationship with Jesus that we then get to see this is who he's made me to be. These are the gifts, the things that he's given me that I get to live into. I don't know if you guys, how many of you guys play sports? Okay. We got some theater people in the room maybe, some art people. Have you guys ever had like a mentor or a coach speak something over you and say, I see that you are good at this. How much more does that encourage you to then be better in that area? I've had that in my life where I've had coaches or, or teachers even for school because school is a big thing to me. They said, I see that you are good at this and that encourages me to be even better at it. Jesus does that with us. When we accept Christ, he's like, bam, fruits of the spirit. And so you might not be a naturally patient person but when you accept Christ, the Holy Spirit gives you that gift and you get to live into the patience that you've been given. All right. Keep reading. Verse 17. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Third way that we train our focus is we look at the good examples. We look at the people in our lives who look like Jesus, who are living out this relationship with Jesus, and we make sure that those are our role models. And I have the word intentional up here. It's a big word. I really like it. But this idea of being intentional about who you look up to. Because sometimes we can find ourselves looking up to people that aren't the kind of people that we should become. And it can be easy because sometimes there are people in our lives that are in places of power over us or in kind of those normal areas of role model. Like if you've got teachers or if you've got coaches, sometimes they are great role models and we should have them there, but sometimes they're not. And so being aware of who it is that you look up to and why you look up to them will impact where your focus is 
and how you become, because we become like those that we look up to. We become like those that we are also around. And Paul gives us some examples of what not to look for in the next verse, um, verses 18 19. It says, For I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. So these are things not to look for, right? Their destiny is destruction. That one's pretty straightforward, right? Those who don't believe in Jesus, their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. That's a little weird when we think about that because we think about stomach as food-related. Here in Paul's culture, the stomach was this idea of desire. So if you had a deep desire, right, our fleshly desires is usually what Paul's relating to when he talks about stomach. So saying people who are devoted to their God, their thing that they live for is their desires. Those are people that we don't want as our role models. And that doesn't mean that the people that we have as our role models have no desires whatsoever. Right? We're all human. We have those things. But it's people who live by those desires, those things that they want. And then their glory is in their shame. People who, who boast, who are excited about things that, that aren't good, things that are sin. Right? I don't know if you had people that you can probably identify, think of, who are really excited about doing bad things. Those are the kinds of people we don't want as our role models. And then Paul says, but our citizenship is in heaven, right? Oh, sorry. Mind is set on earthly things is right before that. Again, we want to avoid that. We want to have a mindset on heaven, and we want our role models to have that kind of heaven mindset as well. Fourth point on training our focus, verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. The, the word eager, when I was first reading this passage, just jumped out to me. I don't know, I pictured like this little kid who was super excited about going to do their next thing. It was like just jumping up and down because they're so excited for where their parents are bringing them, like a sporting event or maybe they're going to a carnival or something like that. And they're just eager. And this idea of eagerly awaiting, it kind of ties to a heaven mindset, but it's in this in-between time where we're just so excited for what God is bringing. So excited for what we have to look forward to. And there are good things on this earth, but also in the next life. And when you're eager, this motivation to live up to what we've already attained, kind of like Paul was talking about, this motivation to live in a way that aligns with Jesus stems out of an eagerness to see his kingdom come. It's finding the joy and the excitement that's here in life. And this one kind of stuck out to me right now because this is something I've been struggling with recently of just being in a place where I don't feel like I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be, like I'm waiting for God to do the next thing in my life. And it's hard to find joy in the waiting because I just kind of want to complain. Like, I'm at a job that's kind of boring, and I don't love it, and I'm smarter. Well, I feel like I'm smarter than this job required. And so it's hard to be like, yeah, I'm so excited to go to work when I'm not. But learning how to change your focus, to train your focus onto the things that Jesus is going to do there. So for me, at work, that means I have the opportunity to speak to people that don't know Jesus. I have the opportunity to help people discover things about their health because I work in a lab. I have the opportunity to learn new things that I haven't known before. So training your focus on the things that bring that joy and excitement that allow you to eagerly await instead of just waiting, but eagerly awaiting what God has in store.
So Paul's four points, I don't have them all on one slide, right? The first one is that we strain towards what ahead. We focus on what God has in store for us. And that helps us to keep our mind on our relationship with Jesus, right? We live up to what we've already attained. We recognize that God's given us gifts of living into who he's called us to be. We look for role models. We're intentional about the people that we look up to. And we eagerly await what God has in store. And all of this, these steps towards training our focus on Jesus, are here so that we can find peace in him in the chaos. And this last verse, verse 21, wraps it up so well. It says, who, Jesus, is who we're talking about, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Jesus is the one who has everything under control. And when we focus on the one who has power over chaos, the chaos in our lives becomes less overwhelming. So as we take these steps to train ourselves to focus on our relationship with Jesus, we realize that he's got everything under control. And so what was, what was once chaos, what once threw us off our game because things are happening and you get emotional in response to things that are happening, which emotions are great. But we realize that, that Jesus has control and that he has our good for us. 